microphone on silent. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Rashes World. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Ethan Neilfeld, um, who is, um, I used to think I was a Renaissance man, but then he beats me in every aspect. Uh, welcome to Rashes World, uh, Ethan. Thank you, Rasha. I don't know about, about being you as a Renaissance man, but I'll, I'll take the compliments. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for yeah, making time today. And it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I was wondering if you can introduce yourself because there's so much that uh, I've, I've read about you, so much that you do. So I'm really curious to see how would you introduce yourself here briefly to our audience? <laughs> sure. Well, I think, you know, all, all humans to some extent are, are chameleons and we, we often will you know, introduce ourselves in different uh, ways depending on the audience. So I guess uh, a, a simple way to, to think about myself is that I'm, I'm a publisher. So I, I run a publishing company and, and own a bookstore. And it just so happens that uh, both the publishing company and the bookshop are very much uh, attuned to the mind, body, and spirit uh, uh, world. And so that's, yeah, that's a big part of what I do. Uh, I also have a few other imprints. Imprints are like divisions or departments within the, the publishing sector, so like a label in the music industry. But um, yeah, so we do some other things. We've got a philosophy imprint and a science fiction imprint, and we even do a little bit of, uh, of cooking, but uh, a few, some cookbooks. But I'd say 95% of, um, of what we focus on is mind, body, and, and spirit publishing. And, and that's what the bookshop is all about as well. And, and I, I, I myself, you know, I'm, that's, that's a big part of my life. I guess another thing that I like to tell people when they want to know about me, uh, get to know me a bit better, is I'm also a huge geek. And I love playing board games. And that's a really big thing for me. And I even organize uh, uh, a really interesting and weird uh, uh, board game festival called the Mind Sports Olympiad. So there you go. That opens two, two tangents right there. Wonderful. Yeah. And I, I did read about that, that you've invented uh, diving chess, which sound, sounds fascinating. And before we get to start about mind body, which is really what I'm into, but I, I like chess and I've never thought of combining diving with chess so maybe we could just briefly talk about that <laughs> sure yeah um so yeah like i said i, I love games and chess was uh, uh i guess one of my early games and that's uh that's something that i I'm, I'm obsessed with i love playing chess i love learning about it and i i do it less these days but i played competitively uh when i was younger and uh i i got the national master title um in my teenage years and uh and I remember hearing people debate for, for eons whether or not chess is a sport, um, you know, and I don't have a strong opinion one way or another, but, but I thought perhaps there is a way to create a chess version that would be undebatable. It would, be, it would certainly be a sport. And, uh, and so I came up with this idea of playing chess and, and substituting the, the chess clock, which you know, dictates the tempo when you play competitively, with breath work. And so the idea was to... Uh, put a board at the bottom of a swimming pool and let each player think for as long as they can hold their breath for each move. And that's what we do. Uh, it's as simple as that. And, you know, it's, it's a very simple concept and it, it certainly becomes a sport and it's a fun thing. You know, it's uh, that's part of the idea. It's also about having some fun as well. 
Exactly, having fun. And that's just wonderful, very creative. And what I want to talk about today is, uh, again, mind-body, as you're saying, but also your synchronicity uh, oracle, which uh, I have gotten here and which I, I tried out uh, on, um, on a few occasions, and I'm, I'm quite fascinated by it. But um, And I, I will share with you a bit later also my experience with tarot cards and a bit of itching and so on. But um, how would we first um, describe synchronicity. What is it? What is your definition of synchronicity as it's called a synchronicity oracle? And it's based on that, that knowledge. So how would you define it though, to start off? Sure. So I guess I'm, I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around uh, uh, Carl Jung's concept of synchronicity because he's the guy who kind of started it all really. Um, and I recently uh, read, um, he, he's got a, an essay about synchronicity and, um, and I try to understand better what does he mean by it? Because there, there's a lot of ways to interpret that. I mean, to, to a large extent, it's also about paying attention to when things match. So we have what he calls like uh, things that don't, that are, that have independent sources that happen to be in sync. And being aware of that can often make us more attuned to the world. Whether or not you have a spiritual inclination, I think it's still really interesting because even if someone thinks, oh, well, you know, I mean, well, it's, it's just a coincidence. There's no meaning there. I would still say, hey, you know, uh, why don't you tap into your unconscious and subconscious and see what it, you know, what does it bring to the surface? So paying attention, I think that that's a really good thing. Uh, Young uh, attributed some real meaning to synchronicity. He really believed that, uh, you know, there was some sort of, uh, I guess, like transcendental um, influence of sorts, I guess, or correspondence, if not influence then, and that, by paying attention to synchronicity, we can be more aware of uh, the uh, the flow of the world, and and I think I think that's really cool. I mean, that's a concept that uh, my mom, who's an astrologer, has uh, instilled upon me, and uh, you know, she's always talking about these interesting synchronicities that happen to her, and and uh, she loves sharing them. She loves collecting these stories, and it's something that's a big part of kind of the way she experiences the world, and I I've always uh, appreciated that. I find it very interesting, and that's also the idea of like all your background, all the knowledge that you have, all the insights of the combination of how many different influences go into your oracle that you've uh, that you've created. Because I, I, I'm a huge tarot card fan, but they're a tarot card fan. But it's also like you have astrology. There are images um, that are, you usually don't see, like aliens and and uh, people <laughs> yeah. with uh, TV uh, headsets that are jumping around. So I was like really like fascinated by how did you come up with all these influences there's some very interesting symbols also in terms of going back into history of again the glasses and you give a description how when they started how they were created and how did all this come together for you in this oracle sure good question so as you as you say it's uh it's got quite a an eclectic mix of symbols mm -hmm. a lot of uh I guess uh, perennial symbols you could say from you know the lotus to you know like uh, buddha um to uh parts of the the zodiac uh, uh there are 57 cards and 57 symbols uh eight cards appear on uh, sorry eight symbols appear on each card because it's a when people see them there there's eight symbols on each card and actually each symbol appears eight times on eight different cards so anyway there's a lot that's a lot of that's all numbers a lot of math but the point is I was able to uh, to curate 57 symbols and and explore and take things from uh, you know from antiquity up to modernity and uh, 
I looked for interesting symbols and uh, I wanted it to be accessible. Tarot is great. And you know, I think tarot is awesome. And if, if you come to our bookshop in London, we have the widest selection of tarot decks uh, possibly in the world, certainly in the UK. And you know, there's a lot of wonderful tarot decks out there. Um, and there's a lot of other great Oracle decks. But what I found interesting about, about this process was I wanted to create something that's very accessible um, in tarot you know, you've got to study a good amount to be able to understand it. I mean, what, you know, off, is, is it, it's not that simple to intuitively uh, you know, understand what's the difference between the five of cups, let's say, and the six of cups. And uh, when you're dealing with, I guess, these sort of Jungian archetypes or very strong symbols that, that I've taken, uh, it's a lot easier to do that. So even though there's a booklet and every symbol comes with uh, keywords and, and usually positive things, and then there's also a shadow side to every symbol, uh, and there's, as you say, there's a bit of history in there. There's a reflection, there's a meditation for each symbol, which is really fun. But ultimately, you know, you, you could put the, the booklet aside and just do a reading and completely go with it intuitively. So it's a, it's a deck that's you know, usable immediately, basically, without any, any need to study. And I, and I like that. It's also great fun. And I tried it with my son, who's a, who's a teen, and he, he really enjoyed it too. And, and that's already a good sign of making it accessible, but also fun. And so the fun part for me was when you when you do it, you look at what is the symbol that matches these two, and you see like commonalities between them. And it must have taken like you, you have a great knowledge in math to put it together in a way that it uh, it kind of makes sense. At the same time, it's something that uh, you won't, it will match again between two cards two cards will match in a symbol so I, I found that very just interesting and talk about the meditation it was also very interesting I, I read through the whole booklet and how it's like this 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 warm tone and these like ideas uh, meditation that will that will really help you kind of get into touch with your intuition and um, so I, I found that quite fascinating now, um, just to uh, talk about my experience with, uh, with the oracles and so on was tarot cards. And it started when I was 16. And I had uh, in my high school, and I grew up in Germany, so my French teacher, he gave us a reading in tarot cards. And after that moment, I was hooked. And I remember my first card that I got was the death card. And I was like, oh, oh. my God, I'm going to die. But I said, no, 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 it's not bad. Like uh, they usually say, it, which, which was true. But after that, I was so amazed. I said, where, where did you get this uh, from? And how do you know about this? And he led me towards a, a, a guidebook that came with the cards, Hayo uh, Banzov, a, a German uh, person. And he, um, when I read it, I started um, practicing it myself. I started, like, like you're saying, experimenting with it. And the more knowledge I gained, the more intimate it got with me. And I just like, basically since then for decades now, I've been hooked on, on these tarot cards and other types as well, but really tarot cards. Uh, what was your experience of, of getting it directed in this direction of, of oracles? Sure. Um, so yeah, so so that's really cool and, and what a great story and I'm curious by the way uh, uh, as to wh which deck if you remember which one was Rider it was the Rider Waite classic the, yeah. the best selling deck uh, often competing with the uh, the Thoth the Crowley deck but, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah those are those are Rider Waite certainly leads the leads the pack and, so and so I was taking a, a psychology class uh, undergrad uh, studies and I wrote an essay on comparing uh, Jung with tarot cards 
And my uh, my instructor loved it so much that I had to do a tarot card reading for her, and uh, and she was impressed. And so it was uh, it was also interesting. Where um, again with with uh, these oracles, it's not like what will happen tomorrow or next year, or will I get this job, but more about yourself in it. Your what can you do to achieve certain goals? So I, I like that because it's not just this is going to happen and there's no way you can escape it. It's more like, well, this is what you can do to achieve this. And we're really involved in our faith. It's not something that just happens to us in, in many cases. And so I, I, I found that very interesting. And so when, when people don't tell you what their question is, they say, I'd rather not tell you. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. I start the reading and it becomes blatantly obvious what the question was about without them having to tell me. And that's sure. that's a cool thing because it also looks at the past. So you already have confirmation of this is true. And for me, there's not a single thread of doubt that this is actually true. And I'm fascinated by, by all of this. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, tarot, tarot is amazing. And uh, as I'm sure you noticed, uh, one of the 157 one of the 57 symbols is the tarot. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was and, very thrilled uh, to see that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I guess that that image seems to be primarily of the, uh, the major arcana, uh, I believe the writer weight, uh, and uh, it's got the, the world. Uh, and as the, as the card that stands out there, which, you know, can, it, it has a lot of uh, meaning to it from travel to, you know, starting, you know, closing a circle, starting a circle, all these different things, but the major arcana, I mean, it is amazing and uh again lots of uh Jungian archetypes there very very powerful and you know tarot is a, an amazing amazing thing so you know I, I think uh I think that uh yeah it's a wonderful thing and we we as as publishers we publish actually a, a good amount of different types of tarot decks and and oracle decks so I've, I've had a, an opportunity to to help uh, a lot of creative individuals bring out some interesting decks out there and so I guess that gave me uh, a you know, that every now and then that would kind of pump my curiosity a bit. And, and, and as for the mechanism, I, you know, I have to give credit. There's a French mathematician in the seventies who came up with, uh, with the mechanism for, uh, for include, making sure that the pairs always match up. And that's been used in a children's game that I play with my daughter sometimes. So I, I, I borrowed that mechanism and thought, Hey, let's, let's, let's bring it into a, an Oracle deck. And then I came up with the idea of making the cards hexagonal, which as you as you probably noticed, they can actually cover a surface by connecting together. So they uh, they can tessellate or create a wallpaper, basically. So it's quite uh, you know it, it's quite fun to play around and and, and find new ways to do things. Uh, and uh, yeah, and the symbols. I mean, going back to the symbols, there's there you know you do have uh, an alien, a green alien on there, which you know, you know can symbolize the outsider uh, feeling alienated, all these different things. Uh, but uh, I found it really interesting to try and draw upon contemporary symbols with with ancient symbols, and uh, and that's that's part of the fun for me is uh, is allowing oneself to I guess kind of break boundaries and and allow yourself to yeah just to and be, to explore be I mean, to uh, to not be limited by this is how it's done and we have to continue in this way because then creativity would be stifled and and one of the things with with all of this is i feel like intuition is very important for us and in, in our lives but uh, so many times in our lives we're not using that knowledge that is accessible to us so that's why i think we do need oracles do you agree with that that uh, what is what is the function of oracles and like for you, for you personally, how would you Absolutely. define it? 
So yeah. I think it's about, uh, I like this term, the uh, creative unconscious as well. I talk about, you know, collect there. I mean, Young has the collective unconscious and all, all these other things, but, you know, we all have a creative unconscious side to us and, and tapping into that, it's a very powerful thing. I mean, even if you do something really simple, let's say where you might decide, oh, you're, you're not sure between two decisions and you're going to just flip a coin. And as soon as that coin lands, you might say, oh, no, no, I really didn't want that. Then that experience actually allowed you to tap into yourself and realize and become more aware as to what it is you really want. And, and awareness is really, you know, that's, that's the name of the game. And that's, that's what it is for spirituality, for enlightenment, for everything, right? Uh, being aware is, is key. And, and how can we tap into it? Because my experience is once I experience it, I'm mindful of it, it grows. And I find that I'm in sync with basically the life force or universe and everything. But how would you say can people tap into that or find a way of tapping into that, that unconscious, that creative unconscious, as you're saying? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's very interesting because as you say, once you, you're able to tap into it, sometimes you'll notice uh, these... Uh, sequences of synchronicity are just a series of green lights uh, in, in one's life and you know that's a wonderful thing and and being able to unlock that you know that's that's a very very powerful thing and you know in life you're always going to have ups and downs right i mean that's that's the nature of the beast but if you can find ways to try and uh, i guess uh, maximize those ups and uh, you know that's that's always a good thing um i mean this is a, perhaps i'm going a little bit on a, on a tangent here but uh, uh Jungian psychologists really believe that uh, uh, in the first 45 minutes when you wake up, that's when you're, you're most, uh, I guess, connected to your unconscious. And so um, if in Julia Cameron's uh, The Artist's Way, and which I, I think is a, is a tremendous book uh, to tap into one's creativity, she recommends doing morning pages where every morning you just do this stream of consciousness writing and you do it as soon as you wake up. So before before your ego fully forms and, you know, and then that, that's, that's a great time to kind of tap into yourself. And I think that's, that's powerful. And I think that uh, Oracle decks can, you know, can serve a similar purpose throughout the day. I think, uh, you know, meditating can do that as well. There's, there, you know, there, there are many, many paths, right? Uh, but the point is that we, we need to allow ourselves to connect to our inner selves. And we don't do it enough. And, ma and many times we just see things logically or like, you know, we, we try to use uh, the left side, uh, the left brain too much, and we don't see the full picture or a lot of important information that is that is hidden from us because we choose not to look at it or not to um, develop it. And uh, it's an interesting coincidence because you, when you mentioned green light, for me, um, the movie Green Ray by Eric Omer um, really changed many things for me in terms of uh, synchronicity and coincidences because in the movie there's this young woman who finds cards in the streets so mm -hmm. I was fascinated by that because the cards would give her important information and guidance and I thought what if that would happen to me because the playing cards are related to tarot cards so I can kind of yes. interpret them and understand them and ever since then, I found so many cards on the street that have uh, guided wow. me, which is uh, fascinating. In the movie, she would never take them with her, but I did. But what was the culminating point? I mean, finding like random cards anywhere in, in, the, in the world, in Germany and Mexico and so on, at important 
moments of my life. Even when I met uh, my uh, my wife, then it was like a really like good cards, like getting the big fish, like landing the <laughs> diamonds. And I was like, okay, that's wow. a good sign, and it was true. But the 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 shocker for me was finding the world card, tarot card on the streets, and wow. it was actually a French version of the Monde. And it's just like that can't be a coincidence. And I, I'm kind of afraid of, of telling people this because it seems like, you know, it doesn't make sense. It, uh, but I do physically have these cards. I do collect them and say, look, I found that. I found it with people too. And once I tell them this story, they find cards as well, which I find equally fascinating. So if, if you run into a card, then it's because you kind of invited that kind of vibe into your world, which is, you know, I, I have no words for this. Maybe you do. I, I don't really. Yeah, understand I, it. I love that. And I think, I think, I think you totally understand it. I, I, I think you're, you're, you're in tune and it shows that you're aware. So I love, I love that story. And, and as you say, you know, normal cards are very much related to tarot cards. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a normal plain deck doesn't have the major arcana, but other than that, they're the same, except for the page, right? It's uh, the minor is 56 cards because there's that extra royal character. But other than that, you've got four suits and everything else is, is pretty much exactly the same. And um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's very, very interesting. And by the way, just a, a bit of random trivia, because uh, I think this is quite, quite cool. And I, and I love trying to understand symbols, you know, and how, how they're, and being more aware of culture and, you know, what, what, how it's been shaped through history, right? Uh, um, so I think a very interesting thing about um, uh, playing cards is we all know, right? That what, what what's the the highest card in a normal in a normal, in, in a normal suit? What is it? The ace, or yes, yes. And 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 what's interesting is that wasn't always historically the case. Oh, uh, uh, you know, traditionally it used to be that the king was the highest. Yeah. And do you know amazing. do you know what happened? No, it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, basically around the French Revolution, they decided that they wanted uh, the peasant, the lowest, the one, to be above the royals. And that's when the ace began to dominate. And to this day, that's how people play. So, I mean, I think uh, it's amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't aware of that, but like, you know, there, there's so much history within our symbols and our systems. And, and that is just a great example of that, right? Uh, um, which I, I find fascinating, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And uh, I'm wondering why, um, and the church is, is strongly against any kind of cards or, or anything that resembles gambling. And I found it interesting, I, I, I watched this movie last night, Oscar and Lucinda, I don't know if you've seen it, but That's it's about uh, a priest who is addicted to gambling. And oh yeah, yeah, I did see it. I did yeah, see. It. Is that and, one where you go, is that the one where he goes? He's in Australia or something? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah. And so, so what I found it just film. Yeah, it's a great film. What I found interesting is there's this line he says about Pascal and the wager, and he says, "Well, God wants us to gamble." He says, "It's so <sighs> gamble our life on it." And so, the, why is it frowned upon? And it made me think. I mean, that's our our life is a gamble when we assume that uh, spirituality, coincidence, universe, God, uh, and all of that exists because you are wagering your soul on it. So why is this frowned upon is my question in, in, in religion. No. True. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an interesting interpretation of obviously, Pascal's wager, right? Mm -hmm. the, we, if, obviously, if not everybody knows, Pascal's wager is the idea that Pascal, the philosopher and mathematician, said you should believe in God because if you're right, that's great. 
because uh, you know but if you don't you know that's 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 a bad gamble you you, you know you you're gonna go straight to hell but um yeah it's very interesting that this idea of gambling as part of spirituality that's a complicated thing i mean uh you know because obviously gambling is you know is it's much more complicated than just reading oracles right uh um and i think uh yeah, I mean, because in that movie, he was literally addicted to gambling, right? Like he wanted to risk it all, basically. Yeah, uh, but he used it for good because he would give it yes. away for, for charity, which is like, That's there's right. no personal motive, no sin there technically, according to him, which I found interesting too. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's true. Religion usually tries to look down upon it. I don't have a strong stance about, about gambling per se. I think, you know, all things in moderation, I would say, in life but does for uh the church frowning upon you know oracle systems yeah anything that uh, churches try to control of, are part of the bible there's all these dreams and there's messages yeah, there's angels absolutely. appearing to me that's well, an oracle to me that's the definition of oracle and but yeah, so yeah. I, jo joseph joseph and right giving yes. uh, yeah the, the pharaoh like interpreting his dreams absolutely you're right and and i think these these are the symbols that if if we train ourselves with our intuition we will be able to see these things and carlos casanada talks about that these kind of like coincidences that happen that have a message so for me it's the, the cards but it could be anything it could be just this particular sound it could be i'm reading something and i hear a song and they say they match and it's a specific message and so on and uh it sounds like insanity but then i would say no it's not because there is more than we can see with our eyes there's more than we can perceive and my uh, concern with science is they try to limit that part and it's just we're focusing on things that we can really observe but there is so much that we can't see. The unconscious for me was a great discovery to really accept it. And that was also a card I found, which said, you know what? All your fears are based from when you were a child. And it was uh, Six of Clubs I found. And after that, I went uh, weird towards psychoanalysis, which changed everything for me. But yeah. it's like so many of us, and I was hesitant. I was like, well, the unconscious, come on. But you, you dive into it and you say, this is true, but science still frowns upon it in many cases, or does not give Jung and Freud the, uh, the, the recognition they deserve, the standing they deserve, and how they can really help us connect the mind with the body. It's, uh, we see, we have a very dualistic view of these things, I find. Absolutely. And yeah, I think that that's totally true. I mean, uh, Freud, to a large extent, is, is very much disrespected these days, even though you know, he made tremendous progress. And, um, and he you know, was a complicated figure that obviously didn't get everything right, right? That's often the nature of... Nobody really does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's that kind of like blocking things, because science cannot prove it, therefore it doesn't exist, or whether it's like an afterlife, or whether it's, it's a spirit, or intuition, or these coincidences, they, it's seen as random. I don't think so. I mean, there is so much more to our lives and to what we can see. And even the discussion of aliens is something that uh, I guess 10 years ago, people would have laughed at you. And now scientists are talking about it openly. And I'm thinking, what just happened? You know, all these, these years you've been telling us uh, people are kooky and so on. And now we're saying, <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite possible. Let's look at this. And I, I just like, I find it fascinating at the same time as it's bizarre in many ways.
Absolutely. I think there's the, the Drake equation that tries to calculate the uh, the probability of extraterrestrial life, uh, which has been around. But yeah, it's 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 true. Um, you know, it's fascinating to see. I mean, you know, science uh, uh, plays it safe, right? That is the nature of science. And um, and every now and then something will upend it, right? And and cause it to to change and it will just appropriate it and play it safe again. That's 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 how it is. Uh, and some things you know, are, as you say, afterlife and all these other things are, are, are very <laughs> difficult for for science to, to deal with, even though, you know, there, there are certain people that try and attempt uh, uh, ways to tackle these things. Um, and going back to reading uh, Carl Jung's uh, essay on synchronicity, he does have some science in there and some statistics. So he actually, you know, he, he seemed to believe there was a path uh, through, uh, you know, I guess, like, I don't know, uh, normal science, I guess you can call it, to, to try and bridge that gap. But uh, obviously, uh, there seems to be a, a very large gap these days. And, and you have uh, somebody like Einstein who says, you know, imagination is so important to us. And for him, it's like, uh, you, you, it was imagination that was what he was striving for. And it's not just the, the, the pure science or knowledge that, uh, that we have. And uh, you, you, have, uh, you have written a book or co-written a book about uh, uh, Einstein. Right. And yeah, can you tell us a bit about that? I found that very interesting. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I have um, several interests and I actually studied uh, math and physics. Uh, that's what I double majored in for, for my undergrad in the States. And um, I think, you know, Einstein obviously was an absolute genius, a sort of, you know, once in a generation kind of, uh, kind of person. And, um, and I loved reading Walter Isaacson's uh, biography about him. So I do, I do recommend that book if anyone wants to, to delve more into um, into Einstein. And I thought, you know, it would be interesting to, to juxtapose this book with uh, uh, one of the greatest artists of the 20th century, uh, Marcel Duchamp. And so I, that's why I created uh, this novelette with Prince Chris Hines called uh, Duchamp versus Einstein. And uh, they get to interact and actually play a game of chess. Uh, uh, and uh, it's a fun book, but uh, Again, like uh, this was a, a way for me to to play with different ideas, and you know, and Einstein, he's, he's also just this amazing person. Um, a lot of people don't realize that he actually, even though he was born German, he renounced his citizenship, and uh, and later in life, he became a German citizen again. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. That part, uh, I didn't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Huh. That's quite unique, and then. And then he renounced it a second time. So it's like an interesting part of trivia. So before he fled during, you know, when the Nazis were, uh, were growing in strength in the 30s, uh, when he fled to the States, he renounced uh, his German citizenship a second time. That's quite unique. Not many people do it twice. To, to do twice to, you know, the same citizenship to give it up twice. That's, yeah. that's quite something. And he lived in a very uh, tumultuous uh, period in history um, and played with a lot of really amazing ideas that, have shaped you know the modern world today. Everything, you know, even this call we're having right now through Zoom. I mean, it's uh, it's using uh, special relativity and and you know and, and all these different things. You have to actually make little adjustments. Uh, even satellites, they have to make minor adjustments to account for special relativity just to make sure that things are in sync, <laughs> which is just oh amazing. God. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, God doesn't play dice with the universe, right? That's a correct quote or something like that? I believe so. There's, there's, yeah. 
Yeah. I think so. Yeah, there's a lot of quotes that are misattributed, uh, but I, I believe that that is a correct quote. Although it's an open, it's kind of open to interpretation. What does that mean? I don't know. What does it mean to you? I mean, does that mean, I mean, to some extent, you know, he, well, I mean, it's complicated, but I guess he kind of thought that things were more deterministic than, uh, than I guess quantum mechanics seems to indicate that they are. You know, I mean, quantum mechanics, which he is largely responsible for, I guess, developing, it shows us that there is a certain amount of, uh, I guess, indeterminability, like not only can you not determine certain things, but also the idea that the future is a little bit open as well. Like mm -hmm. uh, uh, there are these sorts of, I guess, it's hard to describe, but these multiple uh, possibilities that are uh, superimposed and, and Einstein didn't like that that much. So perhaps the quote, you know, God didn't play with dice, it goes back to that a bit. He didn't like the idea that things were, I guess, uh, completely, I uh, could be probabilistic to some extent, but, uh, but apparently that seems to be the way the world works uh, to some extent. There is, there is a sort of, uh, um, um, I guess, undeterminable future. And, and for those of us who want to take a spiritual slant on it, you know, there's nothing scientifically speaking to disprove the idea that there might be something transcendental that every now and then could intervene within those probabilities. Uh, because if that were to happen, it wouldn't violate the laws of quantum mechanics. You could still have, uh, you know, overall things would still appear and, and function based on the laws of quantum mechanics. Sorry, this is getting super geeky. So perhaps we should go back. But the point is, um, you know, the future is open. We can create it. Yeah, I, I think quantum mechanics, I, I don't understand it, but I'm fascinated by it because what it does, it like punctures like uh, holes into the armor of science of this certainty, we know everything. And this is this, it's P or not P. And then where you get situations where like, yeah, it could be this, but it could also be that. The cat is alive, the cat is dead. And, 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 and all these like thoughts and ideas that are kind of thrown onto science, this like uncertainty, this doubt, I, I welcome it because it's like, you know, you don't know everything and we don't know everything. And that I think creates a humility. It's like, okay, I have to accept other points of views. I have to be open to it. And kind of like Pascal's wager, it's like, okay, well, if I wager, uh, put my money on, on this God, what, what if there's another one? And just kind of not being limited in our, in our point of view of, of, be, of thinking we know everything. You know that certainty and we probably will never reach that point and that's for the better in many cases yeah absolutely i i agree with that 100 percent and uh you know and it's interesting that einstein was actually uncomfortable as i mentioned with this notion that <laughs> that we may not he you know his his whole life was uh oriented towards figuring everything out uh, a general theory of relativity he figured that out and then some sort of uh general theory of you know, all the forces, a unified field theory, which he wasn't able to do. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. And I think it's good to have some humility and, and also to be open to, uh, I guess, an uncertain future. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, mind and body—they are in—they are connected. That I think the idea of trying to separate one from the other is just creating a lot of confusion and um, also pain, suffering, and probably also diseases because uh, there are psychosomatic disorders that show us that the two are are often linked, and even with like other physical diseases. And so, um, 
there is a move towards a more holistic view of, uh, of, of seeing people, of seeing patients and so on, which I applaud, which I, I, I strongly support. And so um, what else do we need to do to, to get to that point of like, you know, accepting that, you know, these two are not separate from each other to kind of embrace them into a yin and yang, perhaps of like the function within each other, with each other, they're not separate, like Descartes likes us to think. Absolutely. And, and by the way, the yin and yang symbol is, is one of the symbols in the 57 yeah. <laughs> symbols, as yeah. I'm sure you noticed. And as it points out, uh, you know, um, all opposites contain their opposites within them, right? The white uh, side has a black dot in it. And, you know, it, that, and that is the nature of, of reality. Um, and we also, as complex beings that are constantly in, in, in a process of change, uh, we need to be aware of the fact that all sides of us contain our other sides as well. And certainly the mind and body are, are intertwined. There's, there's no doubt about that. And the power of, of each to affect uh, the other is, is tremendous, uh, whether it's the gut through, you know, taking care of your, your microbiome, which can actually affect your mental health tremendously. So what they are uh, finding out, yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, to, you know, um, finding, making sure that you're taking good care of your, of your mind and your brain and, 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 and also even if how you see yourself, your identity, like that has a tremendous effect on, on how you interact with the world and, you know, the green lights that come ahead of you, the, um, how, how your immune system reacts in different uh, circumstances. I mean, these are, these are very powerful things. Um, and even, you know, even if you were to, I don't know, have some sort of ritual that might have some sort of placebo, let's say, uh, people sometimes, uh, laugh at the you know this the gullibility i guess of people <laughs> that uh that have uh that are, yeah, i don't know, have some sort of placebo effect but actually no there's a, it's quite the opposite i would say uh, a placebo if, if there's something that's doing something good for you that uh it in itself doesn't seem it's not clear why it's working i'd say that's powerful more power to you uh, yeah, and you know? that does the same thing to the science that we have, like this medication, and then you have a placebo. And I've had non-alcoholic beer, and sometimes I feel as drunk as I would with beer and say, how is that possible? Because there must, there must be an error here. But you have people who are cured without having to take medication, but they believe they're taking medication, which I find fascinating. And it shows you the power of, of the mind over the body or the connection between the two, at least. Absolutely. And, and your your book ends. Uh, your last symbol is a zero, right? For, uh, for <laughs> that's right. That's let's right. explain that. I found that fascinating too, and I think it really fits in with with all these things that I'm talking about here. So let me actually share a, an interesting, uh, I guess, coincidence or synchronicity, sure. uh, which I found quite funny. Um, in that the book actually has uh, the booklet that, that you just mentioned has a printing error. There's only one that I'm aware of, and I it. Uh, and uh, and it's actually on the on, on that last symbol, where actually the zero isn't illustrated, uh, and that's an accident. That is true. That is um, true. And, and that that was a mistake. But actually, I, I thought, you know what? If you're gonna get, if something isn't gonna be illustrated, how, how you know what, what's more appropriate than than zero? Zero is nothing. And so, the fact that the symbol for zero is missing. Uh, within the booklet, not in the cards, mm -hmm. just to be clear for what you watching and listening. I think that's beautiful. What a what a what a tremendous uh, coincidence. Yes, in the second print run, we'll fix that. Sure, 
Or uh, don't. I, think, I actually keep it. That I way. know. Maybe maybe not because that's special. But no, I think that makes the first print run, the first edition, let's say, more special to some extent. And, and I love it. I love that that it came out that way. Um, so what? Yeah, what an amazing coincidence. And you know, zero is a very powerful concept. Obviously, even going back to quantum mechanics, there's this idea that within zero, you've got everything. There's so much potential. You know, even then. In, in, in the vacuum of space, there's the, this idea in physics of vacuum energy. Even there, there's something in nothing. There's always something. And, you know, and that's, that's a very, very powerful thing. And um, yeah, and it's a coincidence that actually, well, that alphabetically uh, in the English language, it's, it's the Z, so it's, it's, it's at the end. Um, but uh, it's, it's funny because we, we just uh, uh, sold the uh, French rights so there will be a French edition coming out in the next nice. 18 months or so. And we'll see, you know, they'll decide where to put things. And uh, I guess zero, zero is probably the same there. But the point is other words uh, may have different orders. And when we get to other languages, it might be, you know, completely different. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, in English, it was quite nice to see how zero also happened to be the last symbol. And yeah, started with the last letter of the alphabet. Yeah, it's 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 again a wonderful oracle, and I I think it's just just great to 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 have all these uh, new things thrown into it, but again built on previous knowledge as well, and these symbols. And I think the more I guess the more you do it, the more familiar you get with these um, symbols, and the more it you personalize it and customize it to to your own self and your own way of seeing. Would you agree with that? So it's kind of also fluid. It's not something that is uh, necessarily fixed. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and I think that's uh, that's part of the beauty of life, and is nothing should be stagnant. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, absolutely, it changes, it grows on you, and and I think you know there are some symbols that are even more open to interpretation than others. So you mentioned earlier, uh, I mean, people need to see the symbol, I guess, uh, in the deck. But there's a sort of jumping TVs symbol, which is very weird. Uh, and I was just, I, I just thought it was cool when I was looking at different symbols. I thought, wow, I have to include that, but. You know, I'm I'm not even sure exactly what that symbol means. I wrote an interpretation to it, um, but uh, it's just a, a weird symbol uh, that could mean, I guess, brainwashing or propaganda, disinformation, and tribalism, all these other things. But uh, but it's also just a really weird, interesting symbol. So the is it the <laughs> jumping TVs, and uh, I, I I used it for when my son is like, you need to watch out in your screen time. And my interpretation yeah. of it, I'm like, I agree. Oh, giving him a message there. And so it's it's, it's a wonderful oracle. I, I, I highly recommend it. And it is, again, it's a bit of everything. This is what uh, I find, like it's a buffet and it's like you get a bit of everything in it. So I, I, I highly recommend it. I thank you for, for coming and talking about it. It just like, uh, thank you so much for, for being here, for talking about it, Ethan. And um, again, I highly recommend this oracle to everyone. Thank you, thank yeah. you Rashu. It's, it's been a real pleasure. and. You know, uh, you brought a lot of wisdom to the conversation. I, I need to, to watch uh, Green Lights, I think you said was the- Green Ray, the, yeah, the Green Ray. Green Ray, sorry, yeah, Green Ray. Green that's program. the one where yeah. they they find, uh, where she finds all these cards. Yeah. So and That's going, and, that's going then, on my watch And then list. after that, you will find cards. So let me know what you found that you get curious to see. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being in a rash as well. Best of luck to you. Take care. Thank you. All the best to you. Thanks. Thanks.